Good morning. Uh, my name is Tyler. Um, for those of you, uh, if you're visiting, uh, I'm usually um, up on stage uh, where Jeff was, um, but he has given me the option uh, or the choice or the honor uh, <laughs> to open God's word with you this morning um, and speak God's truth to you. Um, today, we, we're going to continue at our look through the book of Acts, uh, and we're at a very interesting part in the book of Acts, because we're kind of like going from Paul to Peter, from Peter to Paul, back and forth. So the last couple of weeks, Jeff was talking about Paul. Now we're going back to Peter. And we're going to start, um, we're gonna, our passage picks up at the end of Acts 10, but I kind of wanted to give you a little recap of what was going on before we get to our passage today. So the beginning of Acts 10, what was going on in these verses that were kind of just Um, Not skipping because they're not important, but we wanted to focus in on the later part of Acts 10. But there's two things that I wanted to let you know before we get to our passage today. The first thing is about a man whose name was Cornelius. Uh, He was a Gentile man, uh, but he uh, he was quoted as being a devout man and he feared God. Uh, And he was called by God to go and find Peter and bring Peter to teach others what the Lord has taught Peter. And the second thing is we um, were skipping over this vision that Peter had. Peter had what was probably one of the weirdest visions you could possibly think of. Uh, Just to quickly recap Peter's vision, it was said that he was on top of a housetop and he was in prayer. And then he became hungry. And then suddenly he went into a trance. And in this trance, he saw, he says that, that the heavens opened up and great sheets came pouring down. And in these sheets coming, that came pouring down were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And then a voice told him, it's okay, he should kill these things and he should eat these animals. This doesn't happen one time or two times, but it happens three times. It's really weird. It's kind of like if you were watching a cartoon or, or you see that common TV trope where, where one of the characters is so hungry and they view somebody else as food. It's kind of like that. It's strange. It's weird. But because of this vision, Peter goes on to learn a lesson that's going to change his ministry forever. And that's where we're picking up today, Acts 10, 34 through 48. If you can, please follow along with me as I read. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of the peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went on about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he had did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. 
To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this time, God. We thank you for this place, God. We ask that in this time that that our hearts and our minds are open to your word, God. That we can wrestle with what your word is telling us here in this passage. That we can learn from, from this vision and this lesson that Peter learned. We can learn the same thing, God. Be with us today and throughout the rest of the day and throughout the rest of our lives. We want to give all the praise, all the honor and glory if you're the only one worthy of it. Amen. Do you all remember uh, the product, the magic bullet? Maybe, maybe yes, no. Um, I don't know if it's still being made today, but, but growing up, I always saw this infomercial for the magic bullet. It was this next big kitchen gadget, right? It was going to be the, the next big thing, but in reality, it was just a horrible blender. <laughs> Sorry if, if, that, uh, if that offends uh, please just go, just buy just buy just buy a real blender. <laughs> but you but but anyways, you you have this infomercial for this magic bullet. It's going to solve so many problems. Your life's going to be changed with this product. That's kind of a, a lot of infomercials, is what they start saying. I remember in this infomercial, you see somebody preparing a smoothie, and then they put a big chunk of broccoli in the smoothie, and this results in one man going, "Yuck! I hate broccoli." But then, guess what happens? He tries the smoothie. And he drinks what I would say is this green trash can of a smoothie. But in his mind, his, his eyes light up. He's just tasted the greatest thing that has ever graced his taste buds. He's on cloud nine, and now he's saying, wow, it doesn't taste like broccoli at all. Now, my illustration does fall apart because I do think that this is a bad blender and this is a bad product. Sorry again if that offends. But looking at this infomercial, you see a man whose entire life was changed by this new piece of information. He woke up that day hating broccoli. He's going to go to bed that day hating broccoli, but at least he knows he can still eat his broccoli if he hides it in a smoothie. His life is forever changed because of the magic bullet. Now there are times in our lives where we learn something new and it changes our perspective on so much right out of our passage, right before our passage, we see Peter, he's learning something. He sees this strange vision, and then he's wrestling with, what does this really mean, God? What is this new piece of information, God, that you're telling me? When Peter realizes what it is, his ministry and his life has changed forever. Because of this lesson that Peter learns, and through this vision, now he understands that the good news of Jesus Christ And the work of the Holy Spirit shows no partiality. And because of that truth, Peter knows he is called to share the gospel with all. We also can learn 
that lesson. So let's look at our passage and see how we can learn that message. After Peter's vision, uh, Peter uh, is meeting up with this guy named Cornelius that I mentioned before. And they go to Cornelius' place, and, and Cornelius had, had gathered a group of individuals to come hear from Peter, this man who was sent by God. And in verses 34 through 35, we, we see just what Peter starts talking about. He's learned this new lesson from this, this vision and wrestling through it, and now his approach to ministry is changed. In verse 34 and 35, Peter starts by saying this. He says, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. See, what Peter has learned here is that, is that God does not just call a specific group of people anymore. God does not just want the people of Israel or the Jews to come to a saving faith in Christ. It's bigger than that. Peter's vision, Peter questions, how can you ask, say that I can eat these things, God? The law forbids me to actually eat these things. If I eat them, I will be seen as unclean. But after Peter reflects on this vision, he comes to the realization that God is changing that. In verse 28, it's not in your bulletin, verse 28, it says that, that Peter responds to Cornelius and this, and this group of Gentiles this way. He says, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone from another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. God has shown Peter that it's not so simple as the Jews are God's people and no one else. See, what Christ has accomplished for man is so much larger than just one people group now. It's larger than just one nation. Instead, it can be for all of those who acknowledge the one true God and fear him. So we're going to see more and more of this approach to ministry. We're going to see it with Peter, but also we're going to see it with Paul as well. And now I said we're going from Peter to Paul, from Paul to Peter. Here's a couple of verses from Paul speaking about the same idea. In Ephesians 3, Paul says this. He says, The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Romans 3 says this, or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. In Galatians 2, we see Paul say this, On the contrary, they recognize that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who is at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as apostle to the Gentiles. We see throughout the ministries of Paul and Peter, Gentiles are without a doubt being led by God and the Spirit to a life-changing realization that the gospel is for them, not just the Jews of the day. Or you can even think about Jesus' ministry. Who did Jesus minister to? Yes, he was seen as rabbi. Yes, he taught in synagogues. But who was he hanging out with? Anyone and all, even the marginalized. He hung out with the prostitutes. He hung out with the dirty. He hung out with the tax collectors, the liars. He hung out with all those who were cast away for being unclean in the eyes of the law. Jesus showed no partiality. 
God shows no partiality. He does not distinguish. Christ came to save the Jew and the Gentile. You can even go back to the Old Testament. If you go back to the the passage we read earlier, Deuteronomy 10, it says, For the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who is not partial. He takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. So now we are to love the sojourner. Therefore, for you were once sojourners in the land of Egypt. Or maybe you could even go to James 2. You can look at James 2, verse 1, and James 2, verse 9. They say this respectively. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Verse 9 says, But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Why am I showing you all this? I just went through a bunch of passages, and a lot of them are saying the same thing over and over again. I wanted to make the point, the hard point, that what Scripture says is true and that the Jews of the New Testament time, the Jews that that Peter is going around with, they would have met this with opposition. The Old Testament, they would have met this with opposition. Today, we also can see opposition with this idea. It's not so easy for us today because we live in a broken world. We live in a world where partiality, it exists. Maybe if I change the word a little bit, instead of saying partiality, what if I use bias or prejudice? They can be similar words, maybe even synonyms. Now can you see that in our lives today? We sadly live in a world where the color of your skin could mean that you're less of a person. We live in a world today that if you're a Democrat or a Republican, the other party thinks you're less of a person. We live in a world that's constantly at war with other ideologies, other religions, because other people think that they're superior to other people. Unfortunately, we live in that world, but unfortunately, we can also see that in the church today. I think that there are plenty of believers who would claim that they have been changed by the glories that they have been shown through Christ, but still they would say that they're superior than other people because of such small things. I've heard some people in the church say this, I don't trust anything that that person says because they get their news from the Washington Post. Or maybe you've heard something similar but just the news source is different. Maybe you've heard, I don't trust anything that person says because he gets his news from Fox News. Just replace the news source. I know for my generation, we we get a lot of our news from podcasts. So maybe it's guys like Ben Shapiro or or, uh, uh, Steven Crowder. Maybe it's even comedians like Joe Rogan, right? There are people that have biases, have prejudices of of where you get your news from and, and so that you say, that they're less of a person because they get false news from false places. And I'm not trying to... um, If you rolled your eyes at me saying those things, then that's kind of the problem, right? If you're saying, oh, I can't believe he's bad-mouthing Fox News, that's kind of the problem. And and hopefully you guys don't come up to me after the sermon and be like, well, you shouldn't trust Fox News because this, this, this. I I don't... I'm out of it. Um... (laughs) It's just, it's just too much. We live in a day and age where it doesn't matter. Anger and hatred and fear 
are what drive our news consumption today. So I'll stop getting political and I'll take off my social justice hat because there's times in my life where I definitely have struggled with these issues. I simply wanted to point out we're human beings and we are flawed. Oftentimes we rest in this anger and this hatred that partiality, that bias and prejudice brings. But Christ frees us from that. We do not have to live that way. Throughout human history, whenever someone holds a view that their race, their political party, their ideology, even their religion is superior to others, it only brings pain, hurt, frustration, arguments, and suffering. We are free of that when we rest in God. When we pursue a life that God calls us to pursue, when we recognize God shows no partiality, so I too will live a life where I show no partiality. Peter learned that lesson. He truly wrestled with this vision he experienced, and that's the lesson he came to understand. We need to really know that as Christians, every single human being that has ever existed or will ever exist was made in the image of God. That means no matter what, every single human being deserves the same level of respect and love. No matter the political party, no matter the race, no matter the sexuality, no matter even the religion. Every human being deserves respect and love that comes from being made in the image of God. Once we're on board with that, the next thing that we're called to do is so much easier. Let's look at Peter and how Peter responded after he learned this lesson. What did Peter do after coming to this realization? He shared the gospel with Gentiles. And I'm not going to read the whole thing again, but going through verse 36 through 43, we see Peter going through the entirety of the gospel, Christ's life, death, and resurrection, what Christ accomplished so that he could forgive us of all of our sins. He shared it all from start to finish. He spared no details. And it's kind of funny because last fall for our second hour, our our adult Sunday school class here, we went through the idea of how can we share the gospel with others It took us an entire fall season to get through it. Peter goes through it in seven verses. So I don't know if that means I should just get better at teaching um, or what. But Peter is able to, to get through the gospel in seven verses. We see the life and death and resurrection of Christ. We see what it means to believers. And we understand that now it's important, and it's very important because of what we just learned, that God shows no partiality. It's for anybody who has ears to hear the gospel. If they have ears to hear and the Spirit is moving in them, they can believe it, Jews and Gentiles alike. They need to hear it. What good is a message if it's kept quiet? What good is a message if it is not told? The message of the gospel is quite literally the greatest story that has ever been told. It's the greatest narrative that we have ever witnessed or been part of. It's the greatest message that has changed the entirety of all creation. We as Christians have heard the news. We've heard the story. We have heard this message. I think sometimes as Christians we take that for granted. Have you ever heard slogans like, Jesus loves you, Jesus saves, God is not dead? We hear phrases like that in the church over and over again. And maybe I'm becoming a little bit jaded and cynical, but I often like roll my eyes and like, oh, those are just cliche phrases. But in reality, 
I should hear those things. I should hear the gospel every time and be captivated by the fact that, yes, Jesus does love me. Yes, Jesus does save. Yes, our God is not dead. This is amazing news. This is a message that is unparalleled to anything we have ever witnessed before. We should hear these seven verses and we should fall on our knees in awe of who God is and looking at his grand narrative and how it was written out for us to come back to his loving arms. So if we are Christians that have heard the gospel and our lives are radically changed, what should we do? Where do we go from here? It's not just about marveling in it in our own little hearts, but to go and share it with others. Whenever a new comic book movie comes out, without fail... Ian and I talk. Uh, and I know it's kind of funny, but like every single time that I, I am able to go through a sermon here, I always put something in just for Ian and myself. <clears throat> but whenever a new comic book movie comes out, without fail, Ian and I talk. What did you think? Did you like this? Did you like that? What didn't you like about it? We love talking about these things. No matter what, even if I haven't even seen the movie, we still will talk about it. We have experienced something, and it needs to be discussed. It needs to be shared. We need to know more about it. This should be the gospel for us as Christians. However great we think the next Marvel movie is, the message of the gospel puts it to shame. The message of the gospel is is one that will live on throughout all eternity. It's not just the next best thing. Because of the gospel, we're called to act. Looking at verse 42 says, And he commanded us to preach to the people. This is coming right off of Peter explaining that he was a disciple. He was chosen by Christ to carry out his message when Christ leaves. And now it's our turn for us to tell the story. Peter's no longer here. The disciples are long dead and gone, but God's word is not. We have his story in our Bibles every time we open them or launch the app on our phones. We are the new witnesses of God's love and grace. We've been told the story that Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection changed his lives. The story is a story of redemption, of of God redeeming his people, bringing them back into his own loving, fatherly arms. It's a story of, of us recognizing our wrongdoings, that we are sinners and we have failed God's law, but the blood of Christ washes that sin away. We have a story that ends with God looking at his people and saying, you are my children, who he's going to love and protect. This call to action is, is not just for people like Peter. Yes, he was charged by Jesus himself, but the message is so much bigger than that now. This also call is not just for people in ministry, the missionaries we support, or even us on staff here at the church. This call to action is for anyone who has come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. We've been given a story. We've been given a message. We must not keep it to ourselves or in our little circles. We're called to live out a life where we're constantly showing and telling each other without partiality of this wonderful news that does not discriminate. How else will the lost hear the message if no one tells them? So looking at our passage, we learn two things so far. We learn that God shows no partiality. Peter put that to action. 
and he called us to also show no partiality. We should put that to action. We also saw that now as believers we have a message and we should be messengers of God's news. But that's a lot of pressure to go through in life. The weight, you, can't, you can't put the weight of all humanity's salvation on our own shoulders. We cannot live with the thought of, if I don't tell my coworkers about Christ, they will never know. Because that's just too much pressure for a human being to stand. I've seen some people walk away from the faith because they're wrestling with that question. But the solution as Christians is so simple. Our solution here is in our passage. Look at verse 44. While Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. The Holy Spirit is at work. Peter did not save these people. Peter did not say everything in the perfect way. He did not lay out an unquestionable argument that would lead people to have to say that Jesus Christ is their Savior. He simply saw a need to share the message to the lost. And before he was even done preaching, before he even got to the punchline, the Spirit was moving in the people and they came to Christ. If you're thinking, well, Peter is just a really good speaker. He's the rock on which the church was built. You're you're right. He was a pretty good speaker. Yes, he was crucial in the building up of the church, but he was still just a man. Remember Cornelius. I mentioned him a couple times earlier. When Cornelius met Peter, the first thing that Cornelius does is he kneels down and worships at Peter's feet. Peter's immediate response is, Stand up. I too am a man. Peter's just a guy. But he was a guy that heard a call to action from Christ and he was living it out. The Spirit was the one working in the hearts of the people. Peter was simply a vessel or a tool. We also can be that vessel and that tool because nothing can stop the Lord and the Spirit from saving. The Holy Spirit is at work and that should take the pressure off of our shoulders. It lightens our load We do not have to do it all on our power. The Holy Spirit is the power at work. We're just called to act in confidence and boldness that that God will not fail. And those he has called to him will come to him because the Holy Spirit is guiding them. Some of you may have uh, heard recently that my grandfather passed away. And I was thinking a lot about him recently. Um... And my my grandfather was a boat mechanic. He was a charter captain. And so I grew up around the water where I was constantly fishing. Often that was with my grandfather. We call my grandfather captain, so I'm going to switch from grandfather to captain now. So often when I was fishing, it was with captain. And when I was fishing with captain, I had this sort of confidence. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to worry about really anything when I knew he was present. If I broke a line, if I needed to replace a hook, if it took a hook to the hand or I cut my finger on the line because a fish hooked it when I wasn't expecting it, if I got seasick miles off of shore, if I fell into the water, all these things could have happened. All these things happened. <laughs> but when Captain was there, I was never worried. He was always there to show me how to tie the rot knot. He was always there to lend me a hand when I fell in the water. He was always there when I pulled the fish off the line. But Captain still wanted me to be the one to tie the knot. He taught me how to do that. He equipped me with the right tools. 
He taught me how to clean a fish and how to take a fish off the hook. But when he was there, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I knew if I needed help, he would be there to help me with anything related to fishing. He had my back. The confidence in my ability to fish went through the roof because Captain was present. The Holy Spirit is our confidence. The Holy Spirit is what gives us strength. It doesn't matter if we fail. It doesn't matter if we're not the best at explaining the gospel. The Holy Spirit is still at work. We as as Christians have been equipped with a message that's meant for anyone and everyone who is guided by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will move in those God has called to himself. We're just lucky enough to be used in God's story as a tool and a vessel. So throughout this passage, we, we see God doing great things. We're reminded of the gospel. We're reminded that our hero is Jesus Christ who was sent from heaven. He's conquered the grave and he's broken all of our chains. The gospel changes lives because the gospel and God show no partiality. And because of that, we're called to be messengers of the gospel to those who need to hear it. And we need to rest on the Spirit because he is the one at work and will bring his people back to God's arms. There's a song called Give Me Your Hands by a group called Enter the Worship Circle. It's an okay song. But there's one line in it that is phenomenal. Towards the end of the song, there's a line that says this. There's none too poor, too dirty, too broken, too naked, too stupid, too drunken to be thrown outside of his love. How true are those words? The good news of Jesus Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, shows no partiality. Because of that, we're called to share the message with all, no matter who they are. Because there's none too poor, too dirty, too naked, too stupid, too drunken to be thrown outside of his love. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your message. We thank you for your word, God. We ask that you build us up. You give us confidence that that we are your children and you are our Father. You are our God. We ask that you give us the strength to go out and and share this message of the gospel, this life-changing message with any and all people we could come in contact with, God. Let us rest on your spirit working in our lives. Let us rest in your love. Let's always give you the glory, honor, and praise for you're the only one worthy of it. Amen.